going to utilize this opportunity to just take a quick survey this morning. By show of hands, how many of you have taken down your Christmas tree already? Well, I was hoping for a little bit more help than that, but I'll give you a couple more days, dear. <laughs> then it's time, I think. Well, anyways, I think uh, for the most part anyway, Christmas is over. For some of you, maybe that's a little bit of a letdown. Um, after all the excitement that's been going on for a few weeks, now it's kind of this lull hits us and kind of like not quite the same. Maybe the rest of you are breathing a huge sigh of relief that finally you have a little peace and quiet. And uh, I think we can agree that probably in culture as a whole, Christmas gets a little bit overboard with all the weeks that we spend talking about it and building up to it. Um, but in the church itself, I don't think that we can ever overemphasize Christmas because we know that Christmas was a huge deal. And so there's a reason why it's one of our marquee events of the year and why we have such a buildup towards it and why we spend several weeks talking about it. And that's because the birth of Christ changed everything. God in the flesh coming to earth to dwell among us there just simply aren't words that we can use to describe how incredible that is. And because Christmas is such a big deal, I think it's also fair to say that in many ways our situation now is very different from what it was before Jesus came. And often I think back to those times, um, I might call them Old Testament times, and what it was like for the people back then. And um, sometimes I feel a little bit it's hard to relate to them because they, they just seem so different. It seems like such a long time ago. And, and they seem like, uh, it seems like God's people back then were very different from us. And I think, of course, that's true in some respects, um, given the time. But, but the truth is, is that we were very much like them. And in one particular way, we were exactly like them in that they were waiting for Jesus, and so are we. We see throughout the Old Testament that God's people were continually just crying out for the Savior. And they were desperate for a Savior to deliver them. And the prophets were speaking of the Savior that was to come that God had promised. And so the people waited. And they waited some more. And that wait got to be a long time. And eventually even the prophets fell silent. And for hundreds of years there was no word even from the prophets. And so we can imagine maybe that during this time that God's people maybe lost some hope and that this anticipation that they were feeling maybe started to wane a little bit. I think the same can uh, maybe be said of us today here, because we're in the same, same situation, that, that we're waiting for Jesus as well. We've heard Rich use this term in the past, this already but not yet. And so we live in kind of this strange time right now where we're, we're stuck between this time where Jesus has come to earth, but now he's ascended into heaven with his promise to come back again. And so here we are with, with Jesus having already come, but not yet having come to fully restore and establish this kingdom that he has promised. And so we wait once again, and, and just like those in ancient times, we need him again, because our world is in turmoil right now. And we see this in this passage from Romans where Paul gives this imagery of, of the earth and creation is just groaning, it's crying out because it needs the Savior so desperately. And that's where we are right now. So just like our brothers and sisters back then, we're waiting. So what I want to just share a few thoughts on this morning is, how should we wait? And what do we do while we wait? 
Well, first of all, we wait with patience. Because waiting can be hard. If you've ever had a, a significant life event, like a wedding or a baby or graduation or something like that that's looming in the future, it can be hard to wait for that. Um, but at least in a situation like that, the, the final hour is known to some extent. And so we've got a date circled on our calendar, and we're making progress towards that date. But our scripture says that as for the return of Christ, the day and the hour is not known. In fact, it comes so unexpectedly, it comes like a thief in the night. And so we're left with this great unknown and uncertainty, and I think that makes our waiting that much harder. But if we wait with patience, we acknowledge that our God is a sovereign God. And we concede that, God, you are in charge and that your timing is perfect. We see this phrase in the, in the scripture again that says, to God a day as if a thousand years and a thousand years as if one day. So this is just a concept that we can't really grasp in that, that God just has a different timetable than we do. And therefore, we, we just have to be content in this mystery of not knowing and trusting that God is working these things together according to his perfect plan. We also need to wait with perseverance. Because amidst uh, our daily lives and all the highs and lows that we, just, that we go through in our life, just living every day can kind of be a grind sometimes. And uh, with work and school, our home life and relationships, just managing our day-to-day -day life can really just take all of our attention and our focus, it seems. And it drains all of our energy, I think, just to keep up. Some of you might be thinking to yourselves, well, just wait till you have kids. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I think life in general, it, it can just distract us and it, it dampens that excitement that we might have in looking to this world, world to come. Um, this community group that I was a part of this last fall, we studied the book of Colossians. And one of the particular sessions, it, it talked about um, enthusiasm, about living and loving and serving the Lord with enthusiasm. And um, I just want to share a, one point that was made in that session because it, it was helpful for me and maybe it would be helpful for you as well. Um, but what it talked about was the fact that so often our enthusiasm for the Lord is dampened because we spend so much of our time and energy trying to please people rather than the Lord. And if you think about it, just think of how much life revolves around trying to please people and all the time that we spend just trying to manage our relationships and trying to, to perform and look a certain way and trying to measure up to other people. And along with that, there's just so much conflict that comes and disappointment. And I think it's just, it can be exhausting just dealing with people. And so we need to constantly remind and just preach this, preach this to ourselves that we live to please God and not people. In Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if our treasure is on heaven and on this life to come, we're still going to do all these things that we need to do every day, but we do them with a different mindset and with a different purpose. And so with our focus on that treasure, we can persevere on a day-to-day -day basis. We also need to wait with desperation and we wait with desperation because we know there's a harsh reality for those who will not be ready. For those who are saved, 
Christ's return is going to be unspeakable joy. Unspeakable joy. It's going to be an amazing day. But for those who don't know Christ, it's going to be the complete opposite. It's going to be unspeakable sorrow. It's going to be pain and suffering, the likes of which we can't comprehend because those people face an eternity apart from God. Recently, we uh, gathered for a Christmas celebration with my wife's extended family, and uh, probably happens at many of these types of gatherings. Uh, One thing we always look forward to during the evening is a visit from Santa to come and hand out some gifts. And uh, the tradition in this particular case is that the kids gather around the piano and they sing Christmas carols until Santa comes, um, because Santa doesn't come if there's no singing. on this particular evening, the, the kids got started pretty early, and they were really going at it, singing with gusto. Um, and I'm not quite sure what the issue was, but maybe Santa was behind schedule or something like that. But the way, wait grew a little bit longer than maybe was expected. And so the singing kind of diminished a little bit. And as kids will do, they, they started to lose interest. And one by one, you could see them kind of peel off and find something else to to occupy their time. Um, now, my little niece, Brianna, she got pretty upset by this situation. Um, Brianna's a, she's a kind-hearted and compassionate little girl, and she grew very troubled by this fact that there were kids who were not ready for Santa. And what really bothered her is, is she was afraid that Santa was going to show up and that she would find that some of these kids were not ready. They weren't waiting with anticipation. They weren't singing. And she was afraid that they were going to miss out on the bounty that was to come. So you see, Brianna understood the joy and the glory that awaited on this evening and the value of what was to come. And she feared for those who were going to miss out. And so this is why we have such urgency when we talk about reaching the lost. We don't talk about reaching the lost just for the benefit of King of Glory just so that we can fill the seats in this room. We reach out to the lost because we know that Jesus will return and that so many aren't prepared. And finally, and this this is our good news, is that we can wait with joyful expectation and assurance. And on this point, I could could go on and on, but it's actually going to be quite brief because it's very simple. We wait with joyful expectation because this is something to look forward to. We saw again back to our Romans passage that that Paul is talking about this future glory that awaits. And it's something that's beyond our wildest imagination. And he uses this, um, the way he describes it is maybe kind of a strange way to describe it, but he talks about how our suffering in this life just doesn't even compare to this future glory that awaits us. And some of us have been through some, some pretty rough times and some serious suffering. So when we, when we hear Paul say that, we might think that he's being a little bit flippant and just throwing out a phrase like that. But let's keep in mind that, that Paul himself endured significant suffering while on this earth. So if he could look at, at that and that which he endured and he can say, this is nothing compared to what awaits in the life to come, then we know that there is something amazing in store for us. And we can wait with joyful expectation and and with assurance because we know that our waiting is not in vain. And we know this because God is faithful to his word and his promise is secure. 
And we can look at the fact that he delivered Jesus once, and we know that he'll deliver again. Now, if we can be honest with each other for a minute, this idea of waiting for Christ's return, I think, can be a struggle for many of us. So some of you, as you're listening, maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm, yeah, I want to live this Christian life. I want, I want Jesus, but I'm not sure that I'm ready for Jesus to come back or if I really want that. I think it's okay that we're honest about it because sometimes we do find ourselves not waiting and not longing for that day. And why is that? Well, I think part of it goes back to what I, what I talked about before, that daily life intervenes and it distracts us and we lose focus. We can get just so earthly-minded and, and consumed with our everyday tasks that it's just not always something we're think, thinking about. We might say something like, yes, of course I want Jesus to come back, but right now I've got to get this roast in the oven because I've got people coming over tonight. So... We just get so focused on the here and now that I think it's not always top of mind, thinking about this life to come. But there are other things involved also, I think, and these run a little bit deeper and I think can be a little more difficult to talk about, that this idea of Jesus coming again is so hard to wrap our minds around because it's, it's supernatural and it, it comes from a world which we just, we don't understand and, and we don't get. And therefore, we just can't fathom what this event is going to be like. And let's face it, it can be frightening to think about it. So if that's the case, I think sometimes we find ourselves just maybe trying not to think, in, think about it or maybe ignoring the topic. And personally for me, I think that this is one of the most discouraging things about sin. Our sin causes problems in so many ways. It infects er every area of our lives and causes such great suffering, and, and we suffer, and our relationships suffer, and our bodies suffer. But I, I believe that sin is especially devious in the way that it diminishes this joyful expectation of being with Jesus. So whether it's distraction or fear or doubt, somehow the, this incredible promise of this future glory that Paul talks about just gets dampened or clouded, or sometimes it's not even there at all. And this is all the more reason why it's so critical that we keep our focus on the treasure, as Jesus talked about. I'm going to make a bold declaration this morning because I believe it's true, and that is that you do want Jesus. We all do. Rich talked about this on Christmas Eve, and I think it bears repeating because what we all want is heaven because we want what heaven is. It's joy and peace, and love. And everything that we're pursuing on this earth is an effort to find those things. But the truth is, is that Jesus himself only offers these things. And therefore, Jesus is what we truly desire. Our sermon passage describes heaven simply as a place where righteousness dwells. So it's a place that is, is perfectly holy and just. A place of perfect peace and love where everything is new and reconciled. And this is truly what we're waiting for. And this is what we're longing for. The thing that you're after and that I'm after is Jesus. So as we wait for this glorious day, we try to wait well. We wait with patience and perseverance. We wait with desperation. And above all, we wait 
joyfully and with assurance. Consider where your treasure is this morning. When our treasure is in heaven, this is a treasure that we will truly long for. And the day of the Lord will be a happy day indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can gather in your name this morning. And Lord God, I thank you for, for the hope of heaven. And Lord, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, so that we have that assurance, Lord, that, that the day will come when Jesus returns and, and remakes this earth, Lord, and remakes the heavens and brings in this new, this new time, Lord, where we can spend eternity in, in your presence. And Lord, I pray this morning for trust in that. Trust, Lord, that, that you are faithful and that you love us, Lord, and that you, that you want only what's best for us. Lord, this morning, let, our, let us find our treasure in you alone, Lord. Let that sustain us through, through everything in, that we encounter in life. And Lord, as we move past the Christmas season now, I pray that you would not let us forget the gift that was given, Lord, and that we would be just continually filled with, with the joy and wonder that Christmas is until we await that day where you come again. Lord, I just thank you so much for loving us. Pray that by your spirit, Lord, that you would empower us to live lives that, that give you glory and honor. Lord, help us to be obedient as we love and serve you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.